0: morning and welcome to jew in the city speaks with your host Allison joseph's also known as jew in the city uh pesach is approaching (laughs) i saw maybe i don't know like a month and a half ago six weeks ago in the store they were already like rolling out the pesach supplies and um the the preparation starts early on but i'm not sure when you'll be listening to this If it will still be before the holiday or already during the holiday but um pesach is definitely on my mind um and you know, there's been a lot of progress, I would say, in Pesach food throughout the years. I grew up um, on Manischewitz, like cake mixes and brownies, which I still hold are some of the best brownies even, you know, year round. Um, there was something that I discovered a few years ago, because I was also raised mostly on machine matzah in my pre-observant days. And then I got into the, the handmade schmura as I became observant. I think it's, you know, more eaten in the orthodox circles. There's something that I discovered though a few years ago that I was always kind of jealous of and like wish that I could do. And that is like the soft matzah that I've seen Sephardic Jews do. I mean, let's just be honest. Sephardic Jews are pretty cool. They've got some really cool midhagen. They whip each other on off with scallions. I think that's Persians. They eat more than we Ashkenazis do, you know, rice and corn and beans. I mean, and with the soft matzah, you could almost like dip, you know, your matzah like a laffa into You can make hummus. I mean, like, it's so amazing with the kidneys and the soft matzah. But I always thought that all these things are part of the Sephardic tradition, and there's no way someone Ashkenazi could ever partake. And then, I don't know, maybe a year ago, I saw an Ashkenazi rabbi, Rabbi Shlomo Pill, who is a rabbi in Atlanta and a law professor at Emory, posting about making soft matzah. And I was like, what on earth is this? And he told me that um, it's not so unclear that Ashkenazim can't do this. So I said, I must have you on. I would love to discuss, uh, Rabbi Pill. Thank you much for for joining us.
1: Thanks so much, Allison. Good to be here.
0: So okay. yeah. So let us know. How did you um, first get into? You know, you're a rabbi. You're a law professor. How did you get into matzah baking? How, how did that enter your life?
1: Um, I, I'm a rabbi, a law professor, and very, very Ashkenazi. So. Um, <laughs> Uh, this was not a um, an obvious place for me to go um, the truth is is that i, I i've always been uh, pretty uh pretty into food and cooking and and um, and i'm also very much into not outsourcing uh, my judaism to the extent that i can so the the prospect or the idea of um, baking my own matzah is is a is an interesting and and compelling idea for me. But um, I originally got into this um, the, at the invitation of a neighbor of mine here in Atlanta, who has since uh, moved to Israel. Um, but uh, he's an Iraqi uh, Jew uh, and an impressive uh, cardiologist. And he, uh, the first year I moved, I, I was living here in Atlanta. He came over to me in shul one Shabbos right around the Purim and he said, hey, you know, I bake my own matzah at my house. Um, why don't you come join me? I think it would be great. Uh, you'd have a lot of fun. It would be an interesting for you. Um, and I said, uh, okay, I- I'd never really thought about uh, doing something <laughs> like that, but uh, he's a scrupulously, uh, scrupulously observant uh, guy. And he had been doing this for a long time, uh, this is sort of how his family baked matzah for, for forever. Um, and uh, so I joined him that year um, and I baked with him. And uh, I did that for a number of years. And eventually when he, uh, when he made Aliyah, I kind of took over the little chabura, the group that, that had grown up around baking with him. And, uh, and we started baking together, I guess, under my supervision and, and under mm-hmm. my direction.
0: So I was under the uh the um understanding, and obviously I'm wrong, I thought that only Taymanim did soft matzah, but with your friend is Iraqi, so was this a more widespread practice like amongst different Sephardic groups? Or was your friend the exception?
1: Um no, I, I, I think I, I haven't done an anthropological survey, um, and I think it's probably okay. less common um now, and certainly in the US than it may have once been, um, because uh, the realities of uh, population and markets are such that um, soft matzah is probably the exception rather than the rule even among uh, many Sephardim um, and Mizrahim in, in the U.S. But, um, but, I, but um, it's, a, it's a fairly widespread uh, practice or tradition among Sephardim to, to um, bake um, their matzah soft rather than hard.
0: So let's talk halacha for us people that were born or married Ashkenazi. So I was so surprised when you told me that it's not necessarily a problem for someone Ashkenazi to do this. So um, what? Yeah. What? How, how does that work? Who Who says this? What's the source?
1: Sure. So um, th- this is a this is a reasonable question. I, I, some people don't uh, aren't really concerned. Uh, much by new things. Um, I'm not, I'm a little bit more conservative than that, and and when something is uh, new and unusual, um, and not something I'm used to, I sort of, uh, it needs to be justified. But the truth is, is that Mm -hmm. um, all it takes to have matzah is uh, to bake some bread um, that's made uh, out of flour made from one of the five different types of grain mentioned in the Torah, most commonly we use wheat. And that bread has to be something that could become chametz, but wasn't allowed to become chametz. It was baked before it became chametz. And um, that's matzah. Uh, The Torah says to eat matzah on the first night of Pesach. It doesn't really tell us what matzah is, or how to make it, or what it's made out of, and what it should look like, or feel like, or taste like. Um, And of course, uh, for this, as for many, many, many other things, we have long and old traditions about what to do and how to do it. Um, But the requirements for what matzah is are, are fairly minimal. It's flour and water. Um, uh, the water is, is what, uh, flour from one of the five grains and water, which is the other ingredient that allows flour to leaven in a way that, that halacha recognizes as chametz. Um, other liquids, um, according to most opinions, don't do that. Um, or certainly according to Ashkenazic opinions, don't do that. Um, and um, and that's that's matzah. Um, as far as the the difference between soft matzah and hard matzah, um, here we get into all kinds of different concerns related to once you've put your flour and your water together, um, now you need to bake it before it becomes chametz, and we have sort of fifteen hundred years of halakhic discussions about how best to do this and, and what what kind of food product that process should produce um, in order to minimize the risks of creating or ending up with uh, matzah that is actually not matzah, it's actually hametz. Uh, so um, there's no reason why soft matzah, if baked properly, um, simply uh, it just doesn't, uh, it meets all of the usual halachic requirements for what it takes for something to be matzah, um, and if you look at the if you look at the various halachic sources from the Shulchan Aruch and earlier and later, um, it, it's clear that um, once upon a time, um, thicker, um, possibly soft um, matzahs were normal even in the Ashkenazi world. Um, I don't think that everybody always ate soft matzah. Um, I doubt that for a variety of different reasons, uh, although I'm not a historian, Um, but it's clear that um, even among Ashkenazim until relatively recently, um, thicker matzah, which was probably somewhat softer than what we're used to um, um, as these thin crackers, uh, was not terribly uncommon among um, Ashkenazim. Hmm. So, uh, and various uh, contemporary, uh, as this has become more, as Sephardim and Ashkenazim have mixed with each other, um, mm-hmm. and as I think commercial opportunities have made it um, somewhat more possible for Ashkenazim to be faced with the opportunity to eat soft matzah, various contemporary poskim have discussed the issue, um, and some have been against it, um, most by my, guesstimate um, have been uh, um, approving of it uh, as long as it's baked uh, properly by people who know what they're doing, mm-hmm. um, and um, as long as it's done right, and, and that's an important caveat. As long as it's mm-hmm. done right, um, there's no problem, at least from a chametz perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, I should say, um, one uh, one POSIC who um, I very greatly respect, Rav Usher Weiss. Um, who uh, he, he's suggested that while he doesn't think that there's any halachic problems with eating soft matzah from a chametz perspective, as long as it's baked properly, um, he is concerned about the fact that um, it's untraditional, and he thinks that when it comes to Pesach and certainly when it comes to the seder, uh, we should eat what our grandparents ate and what our great grandparents mm-hmm. ate, and and there's a value in that, and um, and I mm-hmm. think that the, I think there's something important to that idea, right? The, uh, the experiential aspects of Pesach uh, as a family tradition, the way we run a Seder are so valuable. Uh, I, I don't think anyone really remembers this Devar Torah or um, that Devar Torah that, that a parent said or, or uh, how they droned on and on about this or that, you know, why Halachmania is written in Aramaic and whatever, mm-hmm. um, but I think what we do remember is the kinds of foods that we eat at the Seder and the type of songs we sing and the tunes our family uses and how late the Seder went and who spilled the wine and who got into a fight with who at, uh, over where they're gonna sit um, and things like that. Um, and some of those are silly, but but part of that experience, immersive experience, I think, is, is what makes the Seder work as a tool for transmitting um, this critical aspect of Jewish identity and tradition, mm. um, and so it, it could be that there's a, it, it's compelling and, and 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 worthwhile to consider the counter argument that um, maybe there's there's a good reason not to eat soft matzah at the seder if your grandparents if your parents didn't eat the soft matzah and your grandparents didn't eat the soft matzah and you're doing the seder the way um, your family has done it for generations. Uh, and There's something to that
0: it's interesting because my family like wasn't you know kosher or, or michal uh or, or shomer shabbos and yontif so we played daino on the piano we gave out several dollars for our Komen. um we did so and we did not eat actual shmora matzah so as you're saying this i'm just thinking like we actually by be- all becoming um observant we actually um changed probably a couple generations of you know more of a conservative jewish style seder back to a more orthodox one but i, I do hear the argument although one could argue that returning to the soft matzah is almost like returning to telus in your uh your tzitzes like sort of going back to the original masover that was lost and now we cleaning um, you mentioned yeah
1: yeah, I think that that's I think that that's true um, and and I think different people are likely to view to to sort of view that in different ways and and um, there's I think good room for subjectivity here in the sense that um, some people will find different different relationships with sort of a, a more recent tradition or a, a reversion to a more original tradition um, to be more compelling. Um, the other aspect that I would just point out is uh, to me at least. Um, and despite the fact that I find Rav Usher Weiss's idea uh, here compelling, I, I still nevertheless bake soft matzah and eat soft matzah right, later, right. Um, is that there's also a, an experiential value in, in, in baking matzah mm-hmm. and do, being able to do it at home without sort of needing other, um, uh, other instrumentalities like a, a commercial bakery in order to bake your own matzah. I think we tend to outsource a lot of our Judaism and a lot of our observance uh, we outsource, right? Um, our our grandparents kept a, a fish in the bathtub and koshered their own livers, and and right. uh, you know uh, we outsource a lot of these things. And thankfully, we're in financial positions uh, to be able to do so. Um, but uh, but oftentimes, I think there's value in in in, uh, in seeing and 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 doing these things on our own, um, and seeing that it's that it's something we can actually do.
0: Mm-hmm. I just, uh, when we spoke before, you did mention Rev. Herschel Schachter as someone that was okay with soft matzah, just because we said someone that, you know, Mm -hmm. raised a possible issue. So I also want to just state for the record that Rev. Herschel Schachter is okay uh, for all the reasons that we could do this. Um, How does the preparation of soft matzah versus the stuff we're used to, or the shmura matzah that, you know, we buy from the store, how is the preparation and baking different?
1: Uh, So it's different in a a few different ways. um, and i will I'll preface this by by saying that um well it's different in a couple of ways uh, so first of all uh, the soft matzo requires a somewhat wetter uh, dough than a uh, hard matzo um the the flour to water ratio is um, a little bit lower um, than when you make so- uh, harder matzo um, We roll it out more thick um, than Hard but actually not quite as thick as one might imagine. Um, It's Mm -hmm. not, most of the time, it's not terribly, terribly uh, thick. Um, There are some hard matzah companies that end up producing pretty thick matzah. Um, uh, Those who are are sort of connoisseurs of the hand matzah world, um, you know, have all kinds of opinions of who makes better matzah and who makes uh, less good matzah. And there are definitely companies whose hand matzah tends to be thick. Um, but um, the soft matzah is thicker um, by a little bit uh, than uh, than even the thickest uh, hand hard matzah that we're familiar with. Um, sometimes, um, sometimes uh, um, the soft matzah doesn't have holes poked in it. We're very familiar with um, hand uh, hard matzahs uh, having these holes rolled into them. Um to make them bake faster and more and more uh, and bake through uh, more thoroughly. And uh, soft matza could have holes in it, and some people bake it with holes. Um, other people don't bake it with holes. Um, the oven heat is typically lower. Uh, so it's very hard to bake hard matza in uh, in the right amount of time in a um, in a residential oven. Um, even if you were to crank your oven up on convection to the highest setting you have if it's if you don't have a commercial oven um, and even more so a, a sort of a, a pizza oven level oven where you can crank things up to 900 thousand oh, degrees wow. um, it, it becomes hard to bake hard matzah at, at lower temperatures um, but you can bake hard matzah at low temperature, at relatively low temperatures. I, I typically bake... You mean
0: soft matzah? You can bake soft, soft matzah, matzah.
1: matzah. excuse me, yes. Okay, soft okay. matzah can be baked at, at lower... Tem- it has to be baked at lower temperatures. Mm-hmm. Um, and it bakes, uh, you know, at some... You know, 400 to 500 degrees typically, depending on the oven. Um, and it takes a little bit longer. Um, you bake hard matzah at 1,000 degrees or even more Um, And it spends 30 seconds in the oven sometimes. Mm. Um, Soft matzah typically bakes at 500 degrees and it'll spend uh, three or four or five minutes in the oven uh, baking. Mm. So uh, those are the primary differences Mm -hmm. um, in terms of uh, how it's done. I would say, um, I would just say also that um, I don't bake, um, I don't bake safari matzah. Um, mm-hmm. See, I, I think that I, I wouldn't I – wouldn't, uh, um, there are many um, stringencies associated with the Ashkenazic tradition of how to bake matzah um, that Sephardim don't observe. Um, there, um, if you read through the laws of matzah baking in the Shulchan Aruch, you see that the Shulchan Aruch and the Rama argue often um, about uh, different aspects of the matzah baking process. And, and the Ashkenazi tradition has, not, has many stringencies about how to bake matzah totally aside from any hard or hardness or thickness um, of mm. the matzah. Could
0: you give um, us some and, examples?
1: Uh, sure. So, um, uh, for example, uh, the the uh, Shulchan Aruch says you shouldn't need your dough outside in the sun. Um, and the Ramah, because the sun creates more heat, then the heat makes it leaven faster. So you may be, you know, working on an 18-minute clock, but when you're baking in the sun, uh, you're kneading dough and it's going to become chametz quicker and, and you end mm-hmm. up uh, with a problem. And, and the ramah goes further and he says, actually, you should bake indoors entirely, even on a cloudy day, and you shouldn't do it in mm-hmm. your window. Um, and mm-hmm. you should make sure that you're, you're mixing the flour and water and kneading the dough in a room separate from the oven so that the heat is even more further farther away. Mm-hmm. Um, and you should really try to bake much faster than 18 minutes. Um, and you should be careful to keep the matzah in the oven until it's fully baked, and not take it out and let it finish baking with its own heat outside of the oven. There are a variety of particularities uh, that go into the Ashkenazi baking practices that have nothing to do with hard or soft or thick and thin. Um, And I bake Ashkenazi matzah that's soft. Um, rather than a Sephardi matzah that, that, fought, that um, in, a, in a manner that uh, complies fully with Sephardi halacha, but wouldn't, um, wouldn't really meet the bar when it comes to Ashkenazi halacha.
0: Meaning you just do the things that you described, you, you knead inside, you stay away from the oven, like you're careful on all those points while making your soft matzah where someone's Sephardic wouldn't be?
1: That, um, I, I think typically they are, um, but especially baking at home in a non-industrial setting, um, this becomes uh, harder to do, um, uh-huh. or it takes more t- takes more thought and planning in order to make sure mm-hmm. to comply with all of those uh, Ashkenazi stringencies. Uh, for example, I, I I've seen videos floating around YouTube of of uh, Israeli families. It's much more common to bake uh, for for uh, to see um, home baking of matzah in Israel. I think, and and uh, there are Ashkenazi families. I've seen videos of baking matzah outdoors under uh, a tent. And a canopy. Um, Sephardim, um, Ashkenazim wouldn't do that. Mm-hmm. Um, because... It's like a
0: Bedouin tent. I feel like I've seen that before. For like, it's almost like is that almost like how Bedouins make like their laffa? Or are we not in terms of taste? Is this not in the laffa category? When by the time you, you're done with it?
1: Oh, uh, that's um, this is um, <laughs> this is this is something that people learn, I think, very quickly when they eat um, soft matzah. No, it does not taste like a laffa at all. Um, it, uh-huh. it, it it tastes uh, um, no lafas are 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 definitely leavened um, and they typically have oil and salt in them um no a, a soft matzah is uh, is nothing fantastic um, <laughs> the t- is it, better? The, it it can it it can taste fine in the same way that that hard hand matza can taste good as well um, uh-huh. but it's not a laffa
0: uh-huh, and like it's cool. not a pita okay no, all right so just, so all right Got it. Okay. So then that, that is a certain, because when I think of soft matzah, it seems like a lava looks not that leavened, but I mean, and obviously you add salt to it when you dip it in after hamotzi and there's other things to put on top. So once you start to put stuff on top of the soft matzah, can that feel more like a Sephardic bread experience or it still feels um, like vastly different?
1: <laughs> no, it can. When you start, what when you, when you start putting food, if you, if you throw some shawarma on a soft matzah, then, then, it starts to it it starts to transform it a little bit i think or you make a pizza with it
0: my 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 husband always talks about that um the carbon pesach like the hillel sandwich that we're making they were basically having like a shawarma and a laffa at that point and like we don't have that you know uh you know the meat to put on it anymore but um when mashiach comes we can have our soft masa and we can have our you know our shawarma inside um so what about um what about the possibility of this being commercialized? Like, is there a reason why? I feel like there's so much interest in like retro cooking and like old fashioned recipes. And I feel like, yes, on, on one hand, people doing this at home kind of fits into that. But do you see, could you imagine this working in a commercial type of setting?
1: Um, there have been small commercial attempts to sell soft matza. Um, I, I, um, I'm an awful business person, so I'm not sure, but <laughs> uh-huh. the, the, the logistics strike me as very difficult um, because mm-hmm. soft matzah doesn't stay well at all. Oh. Um, and I think this is actually one of the reasons or historically why Ashkenazim end up with hard cracker matzah. Um, the, the tour writes already in, in the mid 1300s um, that some particularly scrupulous people um, make sure to bake all of their matzah before Pesach um, in order to ensure that they don't end up, right? So uh, if in case there was a little chametz in their matzah, it, it becomes batal um, before Pesach. Mm. And if you have a little bit of chametz, the little bit of chametz is batal to the large amount of matzah before Pesach, but that can't happen if you bake your matzah on Pesach. Mm. So, um, and, and this practice of baking all of your matzah before Pesach, which was a chumrah, Um, becomes very widespread, and um, it seems to me uh, that this could have been an important motivator for baking hard cracker matzah. Soft matzah, if you bake it before Pesach and you don't have a freezer to keep it in, does not last. Um, Mm. It has to be kept frozen, otherwise it becomes moldy um, and Mm. chewy, and it's just awful, Um, almost inedible. Mm. Uh, So. So commercially, it's, it's hard to do, I think. There, there was an outfit in Brooklyn that for a number of years, and maybe they still do it, um, was selling soft matzah commercially. Um, I think it was out of the Syrian community in Brooklyn, um, if I remember correctly. Um, and But they, have, they had to ship everything overnight um, frozen, um, and it had to be uh, kept frozen uh, until you were going to eat it. So I, I think probably the logistics are hard, but uh, what do I know?
0: Um, I mean, the truth is that now that you mention it, like soft, um, I mean, sorry, hard hand shmora matzah, like could last literally years and years. It's almost disgusting if you think about it, but it seems to actually have this extraordinary, almost miraculous shelf life to it. Um, so unfrozen is the shelf life of the soft matzah like a day turnaround? Like how quickly will it get moldy and ruined?
1: Um, it, 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 um, in my experience, it almost always gets moldy um, within a couple of days. Um, mm-hmm. Of being defrosted and sitting out, Got it. Um, uh, you know, three days max. I think is 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 the most uh, I would expect it to last. Um, and it, it gets harder to eat the longer it sits <laughs> out. Um, Got it, it. it gets this sort of um, very um, dry, grainy, um, hard to chew consistency to it. Um, almost, it's almost becomes rubbery. Um, so huh. unless you reheat it, uh, you can always, you know, stick it in the oven for, for, uh, for a minute or, or oh. on, on a blast for a minute and, and it crisps up a little bit and it's edible again, but, um, but it does become, it does mold pretty quickly.
0: And it's, it's pretty decent as matzo pizza, right? Can we talk matzo pizza? Cause that's it's a fantastic
1: as matzo pizza. Oh, oh my kid. Very good that, my as ki- matzo pizza.
0: My kids are sold on that already. Although they eat regular matzo pizza like year round, we just only have uh, three minutes left to go. But now the question that everyone's waiting for: Can we try this at home? It, could our listeners try this at home? If yes, how? If no, why not?
1: Um, I see. wouldn't. I wouldn't recommend it. Um, I wouldn't recommend doing it un, uh, unless uh, you learn how to do it from from someone who knows how to do it. Um, mm-hmm. On some level, baking is something we do all the time. Uh, but there are a lot of little halachos that go into this that uh, one should be conscious of when when baking this stuff. Um, and uh, mess-ups are easy, and the worst part is um, uh, mess-ups without realizing that you messed up um, are, are easy as well. Um, you can end up with um, unbaked matzah that you don't realize is unbaked, and you end up having it on Pesach, and, and that's not good. Um, and, uh, another important caution is, um, commer- uh, 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 commercially available flour is hummets. Um, hmm. all flour you buy in the supermarket is hummets. Uh, you have to get, uh, you have to get matz, uh, you have to get flour that, um, has been untempered, um, and, and isn't mixed with malted barley and, and all kinds of other things that are typically done with flours that you buy in the supermarket. So, um, it, it takes a little uh, thinking and forethought and, and a little bit of experience to do this on your own. Um, it's okay, not but I impos- like to
0: watch, yeah, sorry, not impossible. Because I'm just wondering, I like to watch Shark Tank. I'm thinking about like a soft moss franchise. Like, if there could be a way to train sort of like, you know, designated soft moss makers in different communities that could like have the setup and people could come and like do the experience together and freeze it. Like, in theory, the Masora could be given over. And then the person could like pay a fee to like franchise, and then they could have like the entrance free to bake. I'm just saying this is maybe something on the side, Rabbi Pill, that you might want to consider. Um, <laughs> you know, so I've never
1: considered side. it as a, I've never considered it as a business venture. Although I've done it, I, I have um, I, some years I bake in New York. This year I'm baking in New York. I'll be in New York for Pesach, so I'll be baking uh, before Pesach in New York. And uh, usually, um, people do join me. Different different people do join and, and get the experience of doing it. So um, it, that, that's possibly something that could be done. Um, I'll, I'll leave that to my uh, excellent business manager to figure that one out.
0: How, how can our listeners reach out to you if they'd like to find out how either in New York and Atlanta they might be able to learn more, watch a video, possibly join you?
1: Um, yeah, sure. So uh, people are always welcome to, to reach out to me. I'm on Facebook, um, although that's the extent of my social media presence. Um, I am on Facebook under under my name, Shlomo Pill. Uh, I can be emailed at shlomopill at gmail.com. Um, and always happy to uh, to chat with people if uh, if they want to reach out and, and discuss this or, or anything else.
0: Amazing. Well, um, I really, I, I love finding more yeses within the spectrum of you know halacha and a torah life so i appreciate you adding one more yes one more possibility even if there's many um you know as any good lawyer would say uh, you know sort of lines attached or clauses attached to the yes um but it's uh it's wonderful to know that there is a possible way um with uh, certain precautions in mind and um, we wish you and your family thank
1: you so much you too Stay okay safe thanks so much are.
0: thank you thanks so much thanks for joining us and thanks for listening you can catch us same time same place next week